Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. <laughs> Dead air. We are here. Hello, Ken. Hello, Jan. How are you? And how's everyone out there? We're just great. And how are you and the two boys? Doing absolutely fine. So we're taking over tonight again. Yes, we are. We are going to rock the airwaves. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> so, so what's happening over there this evening? Well, I just came back from visiting my dad. So no, he's... you're on the air, right? Yes. <laughs> well, I haven't said anything awful like uh, Fifty Shades of Grey or something like that. Yeah, you yeah. watched that. So, that. so the subject tonight is paranormal... I don't know. Pornography. Yeah, paraporn. Para <laughs> We've never done paraporn. Is that an actual subject? Probably. It will be by the end of tonight. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how comfortable Ron would be if we brought that up as a subject. Well, all I can say is we watched the first movie of Fifty Shades of Grey, and it left us both feeling, ah! It was just, it ended, and there was no real ending. And I don't know what all the hype was about, but we don't intend to watch the other movies, so that was it for us. Uh, Steve put it on for me just because he thought I might want to watch it, um, because there was a lot of hype about it, and I don't think he paid any attention to it at all. He glanced up every now and then, just kind of shook his head and carried I, on doing it. I was what trying was to remember doing. where he put the head for the, uh, the handcuffs. <laughs> yeah. What, so I can get rid of you? No, I can escape from them courtesy of um, our Spirit Quest guest, Rich, who taught me the art of escapology. Yeah, but you've got to have the key. I don't need the key. Or break your wrist. I don't need the key. Damn. All my excuses are gone there. Well, all I can say is I thought it was so silly, and I can't imagine anybody having to either think about signing a contract like that. If that's what our world has come to, it's, it's really pathetic in my viewpoint. <laughs> But then I'm a completely different person, so. Hey, give us Downton Abbey any time. That's right, that's right. At least they had class. <laughs> the only problem is the last one's coming up, Jan. Are you all right about that? Well, I guess I'm going to have to be because uh, it's, it's all that there is. So I'm going to have to watch them and then uh, maybe buy the entire set and watch them from day one, you know, a little at a time. <laughs> I think people are confused as to what's going on. They're expecting Ron and Steve to be uh, having paranormal intellectual conversations and they've got us exchanging TV programs. Oh, well. <laughs> that reminds me of a joke, which I can't say over the ear, but when you say, oh, well, it's just a euphemism for something else. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, but this I'm sorry, Kat. I was going to say, I've got some reading to be doing, and he's going to be testing me later to see if I've actually read these books he's written. Oh, I see. Yeah. I wonder, has Jan ever read the book Ron wrote? The books Ron's written? 
We yeah, could, I have both of them. We could do some on-air testing. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've got... I've got the Ghost Chronicles and Ghost in a Day and a Ghost a Day and stuff here. Well, so. how about Ron tests you and on he's whether you've read it? Actually, you could test me on Paracoustics because I've never read part two. <laughs> you, you don't write what you, read what you've written anyway. Um, I didn't write the second half of Paracoustics. That's true. Not right. I'm not reading that rubbish that Cal wrote. Oh, be Wait, nice. Like telephone calls from the dead. It's like... Complete. My apologies, everyone. He can be polite. <laughs> you know My ghost- can't, so at least you get a, you're ahead of me, cat. <laughs> you know, Ghostology was, was, the number of pages in Ghostology was designed and dictated by Ron. Why? Because he had, um, we measured the leg in his office table, on his office, uh, yeah, the table in his office. And it was short by uh, just over a centimetre, which is exactly the thickness of Ghostology. See, I didn't mind when it was written. We even added the extra chapter to make it... You don't half talk some twat. I know, I know. Anyway, sorry, I'm not here. Yeah, you're not meant to be. You're taking over the radio show. Ron <laughs> is behaving himself. Right. Is, well, is he stop that. one tonight, Jan? I'm sorry? You have the well-behaved one tonight. Only because he's not near the microphone. <laughs> have you gagged him? Taking some no, inspiration? No, he's just sitting over... Yeah, his... 50 shades of grey. <laughs> he's thinking of something totally inappropriate to say. There's nothing unusual there, but... That's right. He just loves to be yeah, a bad jo- boy. <laughs> all joking apart, though. And he sat next to me, so i kind of got to say it. I am quite proud of what he's managed to achieve with those books. All those hours he's ignored me, it has paid off. Yeah. Put the handcuffs away. <laughs> that jing- I'm not joking. That jingling sound was Steve getting his bag of many handcuffs out. Oh, it's no jingle bells, it's handcuffs? 50 pairs of handcuffs. <laughs> 50 pairs of handcuffs, he said. I guess I will have to make it over to the UK. This is very intriguing. It, 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 yeah, it probably sounds it. <laughs> well, since this is Christmas time, and I know we're supposed to talk about spooky stuff, I would like to make sure that I wish everybody a very Merry Christmas, and hopefully everybody has a happy and healthy New Year, too. And Boxing Day. Oh, yes, Boxing Day in the UK. Boxing Day, yes, Absolutely. It's an extra bank holiday, so definitely Boxing Day. Oh, so you don't have to work. Good for you. Good for you, Kat. Well, I get, to really? fin- I get to finish at 2 o'clock on Christmas Eve, and I don't go back until Tuesday morning. That rocks. That rocks. And you know what's interesting is uh, if you watch the Christmas Carol, they always have uh, the ghosts with the chains on it, right? And the money boxes, yeah. Yeah, but the chains, and and that was uh, the interesting part about that. That actually occurred in Greece as one of the first recorded cases of uh, of uh, ghost haunting, uh, which was of course 
the letter of Penny the Younger to Pliny. Uh, yeah, whatever. To his <laughs> wife, uh, not to be opposed to Penny the Older. Uh, but yeah, he describes the ghosts we change, and that played a, a prominent role in uh, the solving of the case, of course. And, uh, and Steve knows all that because he, he's written it in, read every, it? Yeah, read it in every book he's written. But Ron, are you sure that was the chains of the ghosts and not the ball and chain attached to Penny's ankle? No, 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 because uh, Penny was, uh, he wrote a letter to his wife, which means he wasn't with his wife. I was joking. Ah, so, yeah, so, <laughs> it was a ball and chains, basically. Writing in the 1st century BC, Athen um, Pliny the Younger gives us one of the earliest accounts of a haunting, and it is complete with a fearful noise of rattling chains. Right. Quote, it happened that Athenodorus, a philosopher, came to Athens at this time, and reading the bill, ascertained the price of the property. The extraordinary cheapness raised his suspicion. When he heard the whole story, he was so far from being discouraged that he was more strongly inclined to hire it, and in short, he actually did so. When it grew towards evening, he ordered a, coach, a couch sorry, to be prepared for him in the forepart of the house, and calling for a light, together with his pen and tablets, God, he had an iPad? <laughs> he directed all his people to retire within but that his mind might not, for want of employment, be open to the vain terrors of the imaginary noises and imagined apparitions, he applied himself to writing with all his faculties. The first part of the night passed with the usual silence, and then began the clanking of the iron fetters. However, he neither lifted up his eyes nor laid down his pen, but he closed his ears by concentrating his attention. Yet the noise increased and advanced nearer, till it seemed that the door... And at last, in the very chamber, he looked around and he saw the apparition exactly as it had been described to him. It stood before him, beckoning him with his finger. Adenodorus made a sign with his hand that it should wait a little longer and bent again to his writing. But the ghost, rattling its chains over his head as he wrote, looked around and he saw it beckoning as before. Upon this, he immediately took up the lamp and followed. The ghost slowly stalked along, as if encumbered by its chains and fetters, and having turned into the courtyard of the house, it suddenly vanished. Athenodorus, being thus deserted, marked the spot with a handful of grass and leaves. The next day to the magistrates, and advised them to order that the spot be dug up. There they found the bones intertwined with chains, for the body had mouldered away for a long time lying in the ground, leaving them bare and corroded by the fetters. The bones were collected and buried at the public expense. Thus, the ghost was duly laid, and the house was haunted no more. <laughs> okay, well, that's enough. Steve, you read that wonderfully well, yeah, by the way. almost in English, though. Um, yes, that was the introduction to paracoustics. <laughs> oh, really? So you stole it from uh, the young guy. That's figures. Um, anyways, uh, it's, if you also know it's in Ghost uh, Ghost Today as well, one written before paracoustics, by the way. Uh, but anyway, uh, there's also been, you know, ghosts associated with people with sheets on their head. And we can go all the way back to, uh, of course, the uh, Witch of... Uh, Endor, of course, and uh, where they, um, she conjures up uh, the spirit 
what was his name? Do you remember? What are you talking about? No, the, the wit in the Bible. Itch, itch I... witch of Endor. Um, oh, come on, I can't think of his name. But anyways, I think it was what? Solomon or one of them. Anyways, basically it was a king, and uh, he had a big battle going on, and this is the, the short version of it. And basically uh, he, he needed help, so uh, he decided to conjure up the past king, who was a great leader, and so uh, he did uh, conjure it up, and, and the description of the Bible describes the when the spirit does arrive as a man with a shroud over his head or sheet. And that's how we go back to the first written uh, case of a human or a ghost as a, described as a man with a sheet over his head. So there you go. They have the, I mean, even Casper has the classic talk. What's the name of the gentleman who was telling us about the history of ghosts when we did Portsmouth? I don't know. I'm just looking for the book now. (laughs) (laughs) There was a fascinating gentleman who came along and did a lecture, and he was um, illustrating the history through literature and historical um, books that traced back the history of the image of the Shroud and the image that we have of ghosts. And he's frantically searching his shelves at the moment to try and find him. I have a presentation I do. It does the same thing. It, it carries uh, ghost hunting through the years and various uh, uh, literature and, and documented cases and... Uh, that was from it's the Witch of Endor. I forget all the details, of course, as I usually do, because I massacre his names. That's the way I am. <laughs> it's interesting seeing Ethan and Oscar growing up in because I, I didn't grow up in a household that had a huge amount of beliefs. I mean, we we followed tradition more than beliefs. And Ethan and Oscar growing up in a household where they are surrounded by the idea that ghosts could exist and what their father does um, for work and what we do outside as a family. And Ethan will sit and watch Ghostbusters without batting an eyelid, as will Oscar. And it's it's been interesting watching Ethan's um, sense of who he is and what he believes in develop as we go along, because a simple visit to go and see Father Christmas, he's only five years old, and he's never questioned it to this point. He went in, same store, Father Christmas that he sees every year, and he came out and he said, Daddy, that wasn't the real Father Christmas. And so he said, well, how do you know that? He said, Daddy, he had a mask beard on. Father Christmas has a real one. Wow. So he's yeah. already starting to question what's going on. So with a father like his, it's hardly surprising that... Uh, well, he does have four teddy bear ghosts as well. He does have four teddy bear ghosts. They're all identical, called Ghosty, Ghosty, Ghosty and Ghosty. No, there's Mummy... <laughs> no, they've all got four... He's changed the names. Yeah, I mean, they, they do have individual names. Yeah. Okay. We, we mentioned Boxing Day before, so um, I pulled up some... Because a lot of Americans... You don't celebrate Boxing Day, do you, Rob, Joe? No. It's not a concept here. And my understanding that in the U.K., Boxing Day, the day after Christmas, was when the aristocracy would hand out gift boxes of food and things to their estate workers, hence the name Boxing Day. They used to take the the, uh, pence, the uh, Peter's pence there from the church, and that would be distributed. But also you all all wear uh, boxer shots that day, correct? (laughs) And boxing gloves, yeah. 
I was always told it was the day that all your presents were taken off. You put back in boxes <laughs> to take back to the store. Ironically, oh. it's also known as St. Stephen's Day. There you go. Okay. Oh, so it's a, a feast St. Day. Okay. And yeah. what was St. Stephen known for? Being cool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's quite right. I have to be honest, I don't know. But uh, all I know is that it, it matches up with St. Stephen's Day. So different countries call it different things, but essentially it's down to the same thing of giving donations to the poor. And we, enough, we we did some fundraising at work recently where um, we have a local charity who accepts donations for people who have fallen on hard times. So we've been doing fundraising for them. So although it's not falling on Boxing Day, we we are doing something similar in the lead-up to Christmas so that families who have fallen on difficult times are able to celebrate Christmas. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, do you have anything similar that you do over there? Well, we have the Salvation Army, and um, I respect them quite a bit. The, um, I feel they're much better than the Red Cross, but, um, yes, we will see people outside of supermarkets, and they have to get permission, but they'll stand there ringing a bell, and they have a red kettle, and you can put money inside and that money i think is well used by the um the people at um their organization to help the poor people and it's so well respected that people actually put jewelry in there just recently in the news they found bracelets and rings and one person actually put in a check for five hundred thousand dollars wow so so I think that is really phenomenal. Um, like I say, I respect them because I know the money goes to the needy. It's not used in an, quote, administrative cost. They don't have private jets and stuff like that to ferry people around. So, And my brother was in the military, and he said that they all respected the... Uh, um, the uh, the organization too because they were really really helpful. Okay, hang on, hang on. Hang uh, on. I, I I found uh, Saint Stephen's uh, Saint Stephen's uh, in Wales is known as Givi San Stefan or something like that. Ancient well custom discontinued in the 19th century, including the bleeding of livestock and the beating and slashing with holly. Uh, of late rises and female servants. So that sounds like Steve. Yeah, pretty much. Nailed it. Okay. <laughs> My um, grandfather was a British prisoner of war over in Poland. He was captured on the uh, beaches when he was trying to um, be evacuated. And he did, he did the Russian march. He was very lucky to survive. And he used to tell very few stories about his time whilst he was in the camp. But he did used to mention that they would try their best to maintain Christmas whilst they were there. And I so can imagine they, it would be very important that for them to do so as well. Well, they used to get Red Cross parcels and they said, you know, despite the political um, circumstances over there, quite often the guards would be in worse circumstances than the prisoners because the prisoners would get their Red Cross boxes. So they would often be known to share the contents of their boxes around Christmas time with what was seen to be the enemy. And they, they'd put on pantomimes. They'd rip up shirts and sheets and make up costumes and put on plays to entertain each other because they said those were the things that were important to keep them going. 
So it was strange that even in those circumstances, Christmas traditions were maintained. Well, I, I can really see the importance of it because you don't want to lose your humanity, which I think is very easy to happen if you don't focus on something which is important, like Christmas. And I have seen movies of World War II um, prisoners, and, and yes, that they, sh they had little um, skits and plays and stuff like that. I didn't know about the sharing of the gifts and everything, but um, I also did hear that the prisoners of war, German prison of wars that were held in the UK were very well received and very well treated by the British. And after the war, most of them didn't want to go back home to Germany, obviously. There's quite a lot settled in this area because uh, in Pembrokeshire, there, there were a number of locations that were used as prisoner of war bases. And the local community, after a while, realized you're all a victim of your circumstances. So we have a large volume of, of prisoners of war who settled in this area and they've gone on to have families and they're, they're as much part of the community now as anyone ever has been. And that's wonderful. Um, it, it's, I just feel it's so important for humanity to treat other people like you like to be treated. And that, that's the whole essence of what I understand you know, treat other people like you like to be treated. And the world would be a much better place if, you know, if more people could manage that. The, the violence that is going on just scares the ever-living daylights out of me. Yeah. Are you thinking about humanity now? I mean, one of the most famous fictional stories of this time of year is, of course, Christmas Carol. And yes, it still resonates now. All of the things that are included, not just the visitation of the three spirits, um, the whole thing resonates through. You see the paupers on the street and, and how people are suffering and people not being able to help. And it's strange that written so long ago, that we still can identify with that now, that we still see it going on now. Because some of the most important things are just simple when you think about it. Again, treat other people like you want to be treated, you know, like Jesus says. And um, when you don't, how awful it is when, when you would see the three ghosts in uh, A Christmas Carol and how bleak life was and Obviously, it came to him as a big shock and everything, but that's, you know, that's the truth as far as I can see. Yeah, okay. definitely. Definitely. So, will you all be spending time together this holiday? Um, yes. Oh, Ronald, we're going to my <laughs> He is so bad. He is I'm so sorry. bad. Was that the Grinch there in the background? Who stole Christmas? Yes, that's him. <laughs> Do you know, I know Ron's got a terrible penchant for dressing up. I, I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if he doesn't have a Grinch's costume in his dressing up. I box. thought you were going to say a Father Christmas costume. No, Ron will have a Grinch's costume. so cynical. Ron, Ron will have a Grinch's costume in his dressing up box. According to Jim Carrey, it's not a very comfortable one, so I wouldn't think so. Well, he'd be too cheap to buy anything special, but, yeah, he, he can be a Grinch without any special kind of costume, that's for sure. Green face paint. Yeah. <laughs> I, do you know, I would never say Ron was cheap. 
well about certain things. I don't mean cheap of spirit, but like me, I wouldn't buy or I'd hate to buy a costume for something I'm only going to wear once because I, if I'm going to spend my money, I want it to be something that's going to be lasting. You know, like if I buy an outfit, I know I'm going to get my money's worth out of it because I'm going to wear it all the time. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean, Jan, and it's it's just always a bone of contention in our house when I go out and spend two hundred pounds on a coat. Yes, because I know I will wear it many times and get value for the money. Okay, how many watch straps do you have? Just straps for your watch. Four. Four. How many coats do you have? Five. Six. Seven. <laughs> Seven. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, his... Well, it's better. I'm sorry. Well, yeah. thoughts, though, but... uh, handbags and shoes. Should we do handbags and shoes? Okay, who bought them for me? Should we do handbag me? <laughs> Should we talk handbags and shoes at this point, ladies? Well, uh, Steve, I'm going to say it's better than drugs and cheaper yeah. than analysis. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but but Kat, uh, I believe you're working, aren't you? I am definitely. Yeah, and I worked all my life. If that big idiot over there thinks that he's going to browbeat me. I worked all my life. Now I don't work because I'm officially retired and I get a pension. Of course he works. He takes care of the boys. He's a vagabond. He's a vagabond. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't dress like one. No, that's true. He's a very happy class vagabond. Vagabond. I'm going to pinch him where it hurts the most when we're off the air. Don't worry, Steve. Oh, he's gone to sort the boys out. <laughs> Ethan's banging on the wall. Oh. They are so gorgeous. I, I, I would just love to have a chance to cuddle them and kiss them. They're so cute. Oh, you will. Don't you worry. Ethan was a prince in his school play, which had a frozen theme. Wow. And Oscar was supposed to be Father Christmas until he saw me when he decided he wanted to sit on one of the helper's laps. And he proceeded to... Snog her for 20 minutes. What does snog mean? Um, French kiss. Oh, my God. <laughs> 20 <laughs> minutes. He held onto her ears so she couldn't move her head. Oh, my God. And in front of all of the parents. He wouldn't join in any of the songs, and every time that the lady tried to join in, there was a problem. <laughs> so I'd say... Ozzy's quite the character. Uh, yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Hopefully he won't try and do that to you, Jen. Well, I guess they can hold him far enough away that. <laughs> that <won't> <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Dumb. They are adorable. I can't say it often enough. Every time I see them on Facebook, they are just so cute. <laughs> <laughs> They've got their father's character. Like yes, to push their luck. But they look like their mother. They're beautiful, so. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're married up. What can I say, Steve? That's true. And on that note, we actually have to take a break. You're listening to Ghost Chronicles International right here on Tojinet, Planet Paranormal, Ghost Channel, Pararex, uh, Witchy Watchy, Wally and wherever else fine radio shows are being played with our special hosts, St. Jan and Cat Stevens Parson. We'll be right back after the following messages. Cat Stevens. <laughs> 
Monday mornings just got scarier. Tune in every Monday at 11 a.m. for another episode of Ghost Chronicles Morning Edition with New England's own Van Helsing, Ron Kolick, and his inquisitive travel companion, Lou Blassie, the professor. Hey, that's me. Each week we'll delve into the realm of the supernatural where all that is is not what it appears to be. With remarkable guests, spirited conversation, and the occasional voice of the deceased, we'll bring you a whole new meaning to the term dead air. Ghost Chronicles, Mondays at 11 on Eagle Radio 1110. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly gooky, the Parrax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parrax family. They're strange, deranged, unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew, it's time to rendezvous as we give awards to the Parrax family. Greetings and felicitations. I am Ron Collett, New England's own Van Helsing. And I'm Ann Kerrigan, the Blonde Bombshell. And we're here at the elegant Benford Hall, the Downton Abbey of Venice. And we would like to extend a formal invitation to you. To tune in every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Ghost Chronicles and Next Generation. On Tokinet, Para-X, Ghost Channel, and Planet Paranormal. You can even listen live on your smartphone with your tune-in app. I'll catch the podcast on iTunes. And now, time for tea. Welcome back. You're listening to part two of Ghost Chronicles International. Our show tonight is our husband's annual Nightmare Before Christmas with myself, Catherine Parsons, and the amazing St. Jan. Thank you, Kat. <laughs> well, it's true. I mean, how would they cope without us? That sounded scripted. Well, right. you just put our husband's annual nightmare. <laughs> you just put our annual nightmare. It's not a nightmare for us. It's a nightmare for you. Oh, yeah. No, we just shown up to do it properly. No, you get shown how to have a normal conversation. Okay, he's gone quiet now. Yes. We've just been talking in the chat room and Nate has been bringing up about Oscar's name. Well, yes, Oscar is named after Oscar from Ghostbusters, but as is quite appropriate for 
what's going on in the world this time of year. Ozzy's middle name is Anakin, so he's named after Star Wars, so two great movies in our little boy's name there. Yeah, hey, wow. He was going to be Oscar Joseph Vader, which I, sound, I said sounds a bit more like a rock star, but uh, Steve's daughter, Helen, insisted that that wasn't appropriate because that was when he was a bad guy. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I like Oscar Anakin. I think that uh, really has a ring to it. Yeah. He only gets called Oscar when he's naughty, though. <laughs> and I'm sure that's not very often. No, it's every day. <laughs> oh, Alexa. Yes. Yes, you're Steve, and then you're Stephen when you're naughty. Does that happen in America, too? Do you, do you always find that your parents call you by your full name when you've been bad? So, like, oh, right, yeah. what? And you're like, oh, my God, I'm in trouble. Well, the frustration of my father when he got really angry at us, it sat with my brother. Joseph, Marie, Janet, you know, you know who you are. Get over here. <laughs> I always said I'd make sure. I always said I'd make sure I wasn't going to be one of those parents who got my kids' names wrong. And I do repeatedly. Well, of course you do. Yeah. Well, it feels like I've got three sons at some point in the day. I'll, I'll be driving along and I'll have... Ozzy singing, Mummy, Mummy, sing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. Ethan saying, Mummy, I need to tell you about something on Lego Ninjago. And then Steve saying, what do you think about these glasses? <laughs> He's smiling because he knows it's true. Uh, when it comes to names, I can remember at work when I get stressed, I call the girls by their wrong names. Because we had Judy, we had Jill, we had two Sheilas, we had a Jill and a Joyce and Janet. And... If I called somebody by the wrong name, they would get so annoyed with me. And it's like, you know who you are. I'm sorry, you know. And then um, my sister calls me um, her daughter's name, Tracy. And sometimes she calls Tracy Janet. So I think it's just a pretty common thing that, you know, happens to people. So. Absolutely. So what do you call Ron when he's naughty? I can't say it on the air. <laughs> I know the answer to this question. <laughs> I'll tell you later. Okay. <laughs> and and uh, I can't really say yours either because it's not pl for polite company. Why? <laughs> I don't know. Which one? one? Huh? Which one? Which one? Yes, there's many. Depending on what he's done wrong. He's disappeared. He's abandoned me. This is quite worrying. Well, I guess he's getting scared about Christmas. Yeah, he's gone downstairs. So what can we talk about? He's not about to stop me. Ah, uh, boy. Well, you, you've got Ronnie uh, sort of censoring you the other end. Yeah, he's looking over the, his shoulder at me. Um, <laughs> knowing I'm going to babble on endlessly because I uh, now I'm starting to get nervous. Yeah. Uh, exactly oh, the same way. So the most important thing, I guess, Kat, everybody wants to know is what do you want for Christmas? What do I want for Christmas? That's the most important thing, is it? Yes. A lion. I don't want the kids to wake up at crazy o'clock. A what? Uh, uh, well, my kids will be awake at five o'clock or something silly like that. Uh, um, hang on one second. I think someone wants to talk to you. Say hello. Hello. Hello, sweetheart. How are you? Good. This is Ethan, everybody. Hi, Ethan. It's nice talking to you. 
Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, dear. Merry Christmas, Ron. Merry Christmas, Ron. Whatever. Oh, that's the Scrooge. He's cranky and mean. Don't listen to him, dear, okay? There are lots and lots of people listening to you talking now. Mm-hmm. Are you excited about Christmas coming? Yeah. Yeah. Who's coming soon? The list is long, Ron, so you might regret asking that. Ethan, Ethan, what do you want for Christmas? What do you want uh, old uh, St. Nick or Father Time or whatever the heck he's called over there to bring you? Ninjago book, clangers, a martial teddy, Ninjago cage set, Lego Ninjago white pencil and Lego Ninjago Volgarmadon. Okay, I'll summarise that. Lots of Lego. I think I got that, but I'm not sure of the names. Is Ozzy asleep? Yeah. He's a little bit awake. Mm. He's just gonna, like, he's nearly shutting his eyes. Oh. Hey, do you want to sing a Merry Christmas? Do you want to sing him a song? Mm-hmm. Want to sing him? Um. Oh, no. <laughs> Go on then. Just sing the nice version if you're going to sing that. <laughs> yeah, that one. Go on then. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Hey! Yay, well done. Yay, thank you, Ethan. Are you going to head off to bed now? Mm-hmm. Oh, Daddy going to put you back or shall I put you I'll take The world's meeting. We have a version over here. It's called Jingle Bells, Jingle Bells, Batman Smells, Robin Laid an Egg. Oh, Ronald. It's true. Yeah, you remember that's that not one? nice. Yes, I do. Oh, I can't you, You're it. lucky. Ethan normally sings Jingle Bells, and then whoever he's talking to, that person smells. <laughs> ah, so he does sing it too. Good. Yeah, he sings Jingle Bells, Daddy Smells. Jingle Bells, Mommy Smells. Jingle Bells, Ozzy Smells, to which Ozzy goes, Oi! Oi! <laughs> yeah. So he, he, he gets told off. So, yes, that is uh, our eldest son, Ethan, make his uh, radio debut. Way to go, Ethan. You did good. <laughs> He's gone back to bed now, so there's a good boy. Yeah, someone's found it quite surprising that Ethan's asked for a particular book. But, yeah, he, he quite often asks for books, doesn't he? But then the house is covered in them. And he'll sit there quietly reading a lot. That is great. I think one of the things I did really well with my son was teach him to read because I used to read to him all the time and then he learned to read and enjoy it. But I think it's very valuable for children when they learn to read and enjoy it because they can entertain themselves. Exactly. Bye. Because particularly in this day of uh, iPads and computers and video games that I mean, they're important that they need to know these things and, you know, they use them at school for education and also for fun. But I think, you know, I would be very dismayed if my children spent their entire life stuck in front of a video screen. Um, so books, I think, 
are very important. You can't oh, I agree with disagree you. anyway. It's just not possible. So anyway, I think the know, Kindle is an abomination. Right. A, a lot of people want to know, uh, what did you have for tea today? <laughs> um, a Thai curry. Oh, oh. Which is? A Thai green curry. It's just quite a spicy... A Thai that's curried. <laughs> a spicy green curry, that's all. <laughs> yes. Steve, Steve doesn't like it, but they are. Oh, well, who made it? I made it. Oh, okay. So is is curry a uh, common uh, tea meal? It can be. Uh, it really depends on what I'm in the mood to make. It's whether it's something quick or I've got the time to prepare it, really. Steve pretty much sorts himself out because he tries to fit it in between when uh, when he's writing. So he doesn't tend to... Eat. Well, that's what he says is the reason he doesn't eat my food. <laughs> he, might, he might be conning me then. Hang on, he's laughing way too much here. I think you busted. He's not making any eye contact. <laughs> so Ronnie was telling me that... Well, before we go, we got to let them know what we are going to have for tea. Yes, definitely. Yes, because... Yeah. So we're going to have breakfast sausages with white rice and green beans. Actually, that sounds really good. Yeah. Nice. Sausages and... We'll nip over. Why don't you? We have plenty. I've had the pleasure of their cooking. Um, We had taco night during uh, the Spirit Quest fortnight season, and it was excellent. I don't know what Ron actually did. I mean, he invited me to to taco night, but I think Jan did all the catering. Although Ron, Steve, it was a pleasure. Ron does. Ron does. um, Periodically, say on Facebook that he's preparing the meals, but. um, We he have does. Say, I have to give him credit. He does a lot of cooking. Yes, he does. I, I'm not. I, I used to do, but um, Kat decided that she wanted to do the cooking. Perhaps I was a little too creative. <laughs> um, no, I'll be fair to you. You had deadlines to make for paracoustics, so you didn't really have the time to prepare the meals. So for a while, it was a lot of ready meals. What a good wife, I'll tell you. No, I, to be honest, Ron, I just got a bit fed up, but he had good reason. Ah. If they he were was always ready. Him, That's why they were called ready meals. They were always ready, but you said you had to stop at 2 o'clock in the afternoon for me coming in at 5 to put a ready meal in the microwave. I didn't quite believe you. The man didn't understand. <laughs> I wondered whether you were going to stare at it until it cooked. So what kind of ready meals do you have? Whatever you would cook normally, just pre-packaged and stuck in a microwave. They're sold over there as, um, I mean, what, I was just wondering if they, they varied from what we have as our microwave meals. That's not, why I was curious. Not really. No, we, we have full roast dinners that you can do. So the potatoes and vegetable and the cooked meat and the, what we call gravy on it. Um, cottage and shepherd's pies the only difference is whether it's cooked with meat or lamb uh, beef or lamb um lasagna spaghetti bolognese having trawled the aisles of market basket in the u.s and tesco in the uk i can tell no difference apart from the food that is cheap well if you go to asda that's owned by walmart isn't it so yeah pretty much the same as you've got over there oh okay 
probably sounds more exciting, you know, the idea of, of our lot, but no, honestly, it, it, it's pretty much like for like. I, I, I've eaten both, I couldn't tell the difference. Um, same the, thing. Uh, the thing that always intrigued me is about your, your boxer meal and, and, you know, things like blood pudding and the, and the little yeah. things, the pop out things, whatever you. What are your finger? Poppers for, for Christmas Day. Yes, poppers for Christmas Day and and all that cool stuff. I mean, that I would love to be a like a fly on the wall to to like a Christmas dinner there or, or, or how you celebrate Boxer Day just to to see uh, you know how it is and, and how the tradition is. I, I think that would be interesting. Well, Boxing Day has changed dramatically uh, in my lifetime. When I was a child, when I was Ethan's age, Boxing Day was the day that you would visit relatives, that family would come around, that the children would play with the toys, that it was just a family a day for family gathering because... Because it was nothing else to do, to be yeah, honest. <laughs> we had television, three television channels and not much else to do. But in recent years, I mean, all our stores reopen on, on the 26th um, for almost a full day of trading. It's, it's become the first day of the January sales, the winter sales. Um, it, it's just become another day. Uh, it's not even the, the stores are actually open longer than they are on a standard Sunday. Yeah, they, it, some of the clothing <laughs> stores open at six o'clock in the morning with queues outside. This is the day after Christmas. There's nothing I want that badly that I'm going to be in line at six o'clock in the morning to buy exactly. it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and, and, and Christmas dinner. What What is your Christmas dinner like? Traditional. Traditional. It it varies between what people prefer, but my mum will cook three different types of meat. So we'll have... Um, Dog. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have uh, turkey, beef and ham. Wow. So you can have all or a selection of, and then we'll have maybe two different types of potato, and so you'll have creamed potato and you'll have roast potato and then multiple vegetables and you just pretty much eat until you're sick um, and you'll say I can't eat anymore and then half an hour later you'll go and make yourself a sandwich with all the contents of the leftovers in your sandwich so the, and anything left over you curry it for yes, boxing day <laughs> or you have it with chips or um, you're, you're still eating it for about a week in actual fact the goose is still a popular uh, Christmas Sweet day goodness. bird uh, or multiple bird roasts where they stuck they stick a turkey inside a goose, a yep. chicken inside a turkey, a budgerigar inside something else, a pheasant. That's the, the, I've heard of turducken, yes. The proper is proper one is five because the royal table has the, the final bird, the turkey, with all the other birds inside stuffed inside a swan. You're kidding. So they have a five-bird roast. It doesn't happen very often, but they're the only ones who can have a five-bird roast. She owns all the swans, that's exactly. why. Exactly. Every if, swan in the United Kingdom is the property of Her Majesty the Queen. Yeah, if you if you harm a swan, and we're not winding you up, this is completely true, if you harm a swan, it is a, very, it is a very serious offence. High treason. You can be hung for it. Because really? every single swan in the UK is the Queen's bird. Wow. They're oh, protected. that's amazing. You know, in, when I, I remember growing up in... in our tradition, of course, I'm Polish, so 
I mean, we we would have uh, things like pierogi, which were really really good, and uh, uh, we we even had um, the un, unblessed host would have the uh, the the host that they would give out in communion, but it, it wouldn't be blessed. And you you would they were like in big sheets. You would break those and share those. That would be like the sharing of bread. It, it was a, a nice tradition back then, it was, but. It, it has changed so much through the years. You know, it's it's just not that way anymore. I, I you know, I, I don't want to sound old-fashioned, um, but I do resent a lot of the lost traditions. Um, and I think it, it kind of spoils Christmas, this idea that Christmas has to start late in November and in the stores much earlier, and that we have to decorate and we have to do this and we have to you know, all these modern uh, traditions that we seem to be developing year on year. The traditional Christmas, the, the classic Dickensian Victorian Christmas has been lost where the family would just gather and celebrate um, that there would be uh, a, f- a family meal, that there would be singing. That there... It's just so commercial these days. And, you know, I love I love gadgets, I love shopping, I love technology, I love the whole sort of commercial side of things and of life. But I think for that, we were in we were in our local large town, uh, Carmarthen, which is about 30 miles from here uh, at the weekend, and we were there on Sunday. And much to our surprise, we discovered that the big toy shop in the centre of the town on a Sunday, the last Sunday before Christmas, was, was shut. And we, we walked over uh, to look at the signs in the window, and it said that the store would be closed on Sundays so that the staff could spend time with their families. And that was a really nice thing to see. Right. I agree with you 100%, yes. Yeah. But how many stores would be brave enough to do that in December with commercialists? In Massachusetts, until uh, not too long ago, we had these things called blue laws. And, for instance, on Sundays, stores couldn't be opened. And, uh, you know, only no grocery stores, no uh, department stores, uh, only little um, mom-and-pop stores. And And drug stores. And drug stores. So, yeah, it it was – but that that all changed, of course, because uh, everybody's out to make a buck. Mm. Well, about the time we got married – the stores in New Hampshire were open. It's like, oh wow, we can go shopping on a Sunday afternoon. Yes, you didn't need to do that. You know? No. Sometimes it's 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 good that you can because you know we we live in a society. I mean, when, uh, previously when I was working in, in nursing, that you know we had to work weekends, and it was sometimes a necessity and a right. luxury to go shopping on a Sunday. But you have to appreciate that you know, and there are a lot of staff who do want to work at weekends. You know that, and they want a midweek day off but i think for christmas and easter and other holidays um you know not just for our religion but for hanukkah and others that we do remember that it's an important time for family for friends and remember the meet the true meaning of 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 what these celebrations are actually about not just another day where we you know we, we launch into a round of excess and buying you know lavish and extravagant Stuff and then going straight onto the internet and buying even more because the prices have just dropped by forty percent. I know what you're saying. We have become such a um, materialistic society. When I was little, we got gifts and it was wonderful, but they were simple gifts. And um, 
it's just amazing how expensive things are nowadays. We never had, you know, iPhones and stuff like that. When I was growing up, we had one phone in the house, and it was hardwired, and nobody ever thought anything of it. That's just the way it was. And, again, we got simple gifts. We got nightgowns. You know, you got articles of clothing. And you got toys when you were younger and, you know, maybe something really special. But it wasn't this excess that it shows nowadays. This year, I wrapped up all the presents and put them into piles just to see what I'd bought. And I said to Steve, there doesn't seem to be a lot there. But I mentally calculated how much money had been spent and said, I could go out and buy more like I did last year. But that's all it was. It was just more. Right. The children didn't play with it. It was of no benefit to them. It was just more. And I don't want my kids to just expect things to to be more. You know, you should see it for what it is and accept that someone has gone out of their way to get that for you. And and the the kids, I mean, I've got to say hats off to, to Steve and, and Alice and Helen's mum. Helen is very grateful for everything that she gets. She does try to use everything she gets, but she is very grateful for it. And that's nice to see. I mean, she's 19 years old, but she still is very grateful for, for gifts that she receives. And I want the kids to have the same thing in, in a world where everything's thrown at you and you expect everything. It's yeah, a hard it, it, to find, but um, it's something we, I think, pretty key now. I agree with you, too. And I think it just confuses children to have so many things. It just, to my way of thinking, puts them in a tailspin. What do I play with now? And it's, um, again, I think it just confuses them. Yeah. Well, I, I know we're getting close to the end of the show, and and and, and of course, Ghost Chronicles, uh, Next Generation, Anne and I did a wonderful rendition of uh, Santa Baby. So I understand that that we're going to do uh, the night before Christmas. Is this correct? Uh, it became a tradition last year, and we've just pulled up the the uh, the text, so we're ready. Um, we'll do a verse each. Yeah, I would say uh, wait till the uh, the uh, pizza bell rings, and it gives yeah. us two minutes. Yeah. So uh, we're very very close to that right now. But anyways, uh, I didn't know, but there was actually a, an old version of the night before Christmas. This is the new version that we 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 talk about. But there was really an older one, which I was when I was looking for this one, I found and, it, and I, I found it quite intriguing, and it. It actually goes through and explains some of the things that were described in it. So uh, I never knew there were more than one version of this. I mean, true versions. Because I thought it was originally published by Clement C. Moore. So was there one predating that? Uh, give me a second. Actually, uh, the doorbell is now, so we better get into it. There you go. So we best best to get into it. So, anyways, uh, who's going to start? Uh, well, we started last year, so I guess uh, we'll let you start. Okay. Twas the night before Christmas when all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that Saint Nicholas would soon be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds, while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads, and Mama 
and her kerchief and I in my cap had just settled our brains for a long winter's nap. When out in the lawn there arose such a clatter, I sprang from my bed to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash and tore open the shutters and threw up the sash. The moon on the breast of the new fallen snow gave the luster of midday to the objects below. When what to my wandering eyes should appear but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer. Where's still more now? With a little driver so lively and quick, I knew in a moment it must be St. Nick. That was part of what you... Yeah, you blew that, Steve. No, maybe he didn't have it in his version. No, 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 it's a separate line. (laughs) It's a separate line here. Not here. Oh. Uh, It's here. All right. Okay, now, more rapid than eagles, his courses they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Stop. Now dash. Stop. <laughs> now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen, on Comet, on Cupid, on Donner and Blitzen, to the top of the to- porch, to the top of the wall. Now dash away, dash away, dash away all. Run away. <laughs> and then it's. Right. Uh, no, it's wrong. Come on, Ron, hurry up. We got. We got the drive. As drive leaves that before. <laughs> while hurricane fly when they meet with an obstacle mounted to the sky so up to the housetop their courses they flew with a sleigh full of toys and saint nicholas too and then in a twinkling i heard on the roof the prancing and pouring of a little each little hoof and i drew in my head and was turning around down the chimney saint nicholas that came with a bound quick 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 he was dressed in all fur from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of toys he had flung on his back, and he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. His eyes had they twinkled, his dimples had merry, his cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry. His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow, and the beard on his chin was as white as the snow. The stuff of his pipe, he yelled, tight his teeth and a smoke and a trench that swept over me. And he faced with a brother in the middle of his belly, and he shook like and he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. He sprang to his sleigh, and moving out to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle, and away they all flew. <laughs> <laughs>